Everybody likes guns. They just don't know it. Deep inside of the soul, there's a cowboy trying to get out. Welcome to New Shooter Canada. Please remember that the show's content and word pronunciation is simply the opinion of the hosts and their guests. Good evening and welcome to New Shooter Canada, episode 223. I'm your hostess this evening, Amanda, and with me I have Josh. Hello. And Thomas. Hi, Amanda. How's it going, Thomas? Not bad, not bad, sir. Trying to survive the heat like everybody else. It's been kind of brutal lately. What about you guys? How was your camping trip? Oh, you know what? It was a lot of fun. It was rowdy. It was hot. We spent most of the time at the beach. But, I mean, we definitely had a good time. So. Yeah. Yeah? He said that so <laughs> hesitantly. <laughs> it's so much work. It is a lot it of is. work. And for Two nights, it doesn't feel like it's enough, but at the same yeah. time, you're, you're it done. It was enough at the same time. It was enough. <laughs> you have all, all the again, kids? We, we forgot all our pillows. All the kids, yes. And we forgot our pillows. So. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. That, that's not been... And that's the second time we've done that now. So I feel really frustrated about it, but what can you do? I'm one of these people that I can't sleep anywhere unless I have my own pillow. So if I'm crashing or going anyplace, I, I first thing I pack is my pillow. Your pillow? Yeah. You know what? For me, because I'm so busy going, okay, we need the, the sacks and the hygiene bag and we got to pack the food. And did we forget anything else? And we're packing snacks and we ended up taking two vehicles. And uh, so we had two in one, two in the other making sure we had DVDs and just everything good to go that way. Like pillows were the last thing on my mind, honestly, but you know, the blame was being put on me, but it really, it was a whole joint effort. <laughs> I, I think so too. Yeah. Share the yeah, responsibility. So, absolutely. So, I mean, yes. And we did take all the kids. So, and we did try camping at the beginning of July with the six of us. And I mean, it's a lot of fun. But there's a lot of um, <clears throat> mood swings that you have to roll through. Especially when you're hot and sweaty. When you're hot and sweaty <laughs> and trying to set up. Uh, and you've been driving for about an hour and a half, two hours. Uh, yeah, that, that enough was enough, right? So everyone was pretty cranky. Thank goodness for the beach, though. The beach was a, a saving grace, I think, for us this week. But it was good. Well, they're all relatively young kids, so it's, it's, it's hard keeping them yeah. entertained and... Especially Absolutely. Long car rides, yeah. Yeah, long car rides. The movies were helpful. We stopped for lunch, so that was really cool. Um, have you ever been to Ingersoll? Yes. At all? Yeah. Well, they have Louis Pizza in Ingersoll, and I highly recommend that you go. And normally okay. they have this gigantic Panzerati. Um, we ordered the babies, and it was half of a plate. Like, it was huge. And then... Uh, this, like Josh it landed on his lap and he goes, this is the baby? I can't even imagine what the big one would be. But they actually typically have a competition or one of those challenges where if you can eat this big Panzerati in two hours, then you get it for free because it's like a $40 Panzerati. <laughs> but it's, it's really good, and I, I highly recommend it when COVID's all over. Uh, if you are up for the challenge, to go and check that out. So, so that was. Did either of you do the Panzerati challenge? 
No, okay. no. I saw someone who tried to do it a few years back, and I'm pretty sure they got to, I think it was an hour and a half, and they were full. Like, they couldn't eat another bite. So it was just one of those things. It has been done. They said their record-breaking was 19 minutes, and the guy had um, put it on YouTube. <laughs> I didn't catch who it was, but... 19 minutes, that's crazy. 19 minutes. It was insane. <laughs> but it was really good food. It was, you know, a nice stop on the way uh, to Port Burwell. So we thought that that was pretty cool. So, but yeah, that's that's really been it. But how about we get into what we did in guns? So, Thomas, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you've been up to? I haven't done anything with guns. It's been too hot, basically, because the range itself draws all the air from the outside. So today has actually yeah. been the, I did get my certificate. Today's the actual half decent first day. So actually after we're recording tonight, I'm going to go to the range. So it'll be nice and cool. Nice. And I got a phone call from my manager at work and I'm going to resume my duties starting September 4th. So if you're interested in shooting for the first time, you can contact East Hill Outdoors and schedule a time slot. It's a lot of changes. Um, I'll be by myself now because my friend Austin has graduated, moved on, so he's not working at the store anymore. And because of COVID protocols, um, I'm not going to be able to as move many people as I used to. It'll be an hour because I have to decontaminate everything and do all, all the stuff myself. But I'm looking forward to it, you know, getting back to work and making some money for the store. So I'm kind of excited about that. Besides, I'm going stir crazy being stuck here since December. So <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah, uh, yeah I can. Yeah. Uh, what else? So you guys went on last week. I had this whole discussion with Mike about this this issue I have with Chris Reeves' guns and knives and how I always want one, but I never end up buying one. So I, I listened. You know, you know, <laughs> just, well, so the knives came. I got the Giant Mouse Ace Grand in LMAX Steel. So what I did, I looked at them both. Um... Fit and finish is fantastic on both, so I decided to carry one each for a week. So I just finished carrying the uh, the giant mouse. Uh, it's really nice. It's a big, full size folder, uh, pretty thick blade stock, Elmac steel. All the edges are very rounded. Uh, the fit and finish on this thing is excellent. Um, the only issue I have with it is that there's not much clearance to get at the at the lock side, but it's false shutty. Just beautiful, beautiful knife. Um, I have a problem with knives. I spend way too much money on knives. <laughs> Kind of sounds like it. What did the wife think when uh, those showed up? Well, there was another story there because she was kind of oh. mad because I won $1,000. And what I did is yeah. I, I split the money with her 60-40. And I got crap for that. People don't think it's fair. It should have been 50-50. So she got the <laughs> four, 300 and something from, I think it was 375 left over. Well, then two days later, I won 125 in the lottery. So I gave her the 125. Now it's 50-50. So everybody shut up. She got half the money now. There you go. There, there you, go. you go. Oh, another oh. thing that I, I did too, I, I forgot to mention. Um, a couple weeks ago, uh, I made friends with two young boys up the street. They have a little Rottweiler puppy. And they had a, a last-minute invite to go to Blue Mountain Resort. But they had nobody to, to look after the dog. Like their, their grandmother's home, but she can't walk though. She's now a little lady. So she, he, the kid messaged me and asked me if I knew anybody that could do dog walking for a couple of days. And I said, well, I'll do it. You know, I figured can't be a great big thing. No big problem. Well, that's when the heat wave hit. So then I've got to walk this dog first. And then i got to come home and walk my dog. I had to do it four times a day. And they were gone for oh. three days. So it was freaking brutal. 
you so, can't do them at the same time. Uh, I could, but if they've got to go to the washroom, and you know, my, my dog's still two, and she has issues with other dogs. Mind you, she likes this dog; she gets along well with the Roddy. But just the two of them <laughs> together with my with my arms, I, I couldn't do it. So, figured better that way. So anyway, last time in, in the garage, and I, I hear a, a nap in the garage door, and it's it's the parents, Raj and um, Sugi, come up. They got a little gift bag for me, and in the gift bag, there's um, chocolate cookies and a card. And uh, so I open up the card, and it's uh, it, they gave me a Shoppers Drug Mart gift card. And I, I saw Raj this morning. I said, so let me guess, you, your wife picked out the gift card? He goes, how'd you know? I goes, well, chocolates, cookies, and Shoppers Drug Mart, because my wife loved it. So I gave the gift card to Terry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Like, That's if it would have been Bass Pro or something else, Terry wouldn't have been very happy. She goes, she saw Shoppers Drug Mart, give it right. to me, and she immediately took the gift card. So I have no idea what's on the gift card, but Terry's happy now. Yeah. Well, that's nice. So now she's ahead. She's actually, yeah, she's ahead now. I never thought of that. <laughs> that's good. And Mike's doing a big match this weekend, so we—he's not available, unfortunately. Wow. Hey, did you uh, did you get your magazine sorted out? Oh yes, I didn't want to talk about that. Uh, actually, I oh, forgot. No. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> it's, I, I'm just—I'm so angry over it. Um, when I bought my grandpower ten millimeter. It only came with one magazine, and it came with one of the original mags and with a ground power base pad. So I was very happy. I got a good mag. I got a base pad. And then I got a message from David saying that he'd found his stash of 10-millimeter mags. They were hidden underneath the, the 45s. So he said, you know, he was very generous. So I'll give you one for free. You know, she get two with it. And he goes, $150 for the other three, which is more than fair, right? Well, until I started loading at them. And then I realized, I don't know whether Grandpower did it. Or a Grand Power Slovakia, Grand Power Canada, or Grand Power USA, but somebody decided to put uh, an, an additional six witness holes in the pistol for U.S. regulations and try. I don't guess maybe they're gonna. There is a plug in it. It is blocked. I guess they want to put witness holes for American regulations because I think the round mags holds 13, 13 or 14 in the 10 mil, which is fine. Except they used a drill. They pressed very hard into the mag body when they did it. So they put dimples everywhere that they drilled. And then everywhere they drilled, all the, the burrs are inside. So you've got a square tube and a square spring hitting those corners and every one all the way down. So I was able to get one, one going. I could get seven rounds in one so far. Um, I just got ticked off. Thank you. Did you take it apart and try to file it, or what did you do? I, well, that's the one I did, but I'm going to have to go to Princess Autos, and I don't have a set of uh, round, uh, round files. So I have to get a, a set of files, and I'm going to have to get some stones. i got to get rid of those burrs, or they're, they're not going to function. Yeah. And the problem is, it's the company's out of business, right? It's closed. I, it's as is right. what I got. So he apologized, but he didn't have any more to give me. So. Right. Yeah. And he's got enough going on in his life right now. I didn't want to... Uh, I told him, but he didn't. He he didn't have a need to replace it, so he said so. No, nope, understood. Understood, and I mean that's all you can do. And looking, hoping for an update the next time we we chit chat about that, because if you're able to get it working, then of course we'd like to know how you did that. So well, that'll give me an excuse to get out of the house tomorrow. Yeah. You see, there I'm going for to sure. Auto. I got I got to fix these magazines. Yes, <laughs> or you lose your mind. So. Well, that's gone years ago, but. <laughs> uh, but that's, about, that's it. about it. It's just you know, with everything here. And, well, Terry's healing up. At least the, the wound she had in her leg. It's been like four months, so she's feeling better. So things are starting to improve around the house, at least. 
Well, that's good. I'm really she was, glad to hear that. Yeah, she was put up for quite a while, so it's, it's the PSWs have been a great big help, so I do appreciate that. But that's just been it. I've just been looking after Terry and just doing nothing. So I'm so glad to get back to work, and I'm going to go to the range tonight. I promise. I will go. I'll send you pictures. You better. I'll send you pictures. I'm holding you to it. I will. I, I, want, it, I want pictures so that I can post them on Instagram. So. Okay. I'll bring my tripod so okay. I can do self. I don't have a selfie stick. Okay. Sounds good. All right, Josh, why don't you fill them in on what you've been doing? Well, uh, I guess we weren't on, weren't on last week, so we've got a whole month of, of stuff. stuff and we didn't really do a whole lot. No, we did not. <laughs> we did make it to the range though. We went on a, we had a kidless Sunday morning, so we head out to the range and we haven't uh, used our bows in forever. So we did the archery course and that was kind of, kind of fun to do that again it's always so relaxing just walking around in the woods with your with your bow and just kind of did our thing there we we were a little bit rusty having not done it for so long but i think we we did not too bad um lost an arrow or two but i mean i lost your arrows overall we were we were hitting not too bad um then we went into the uh the indoor range because uh we wanted to try the new uh the new k22 uh, x-trim we got the we got the registered as well, so we brought that out. Um, shot really well. I really enjoyed it. It fits my holster, which is great, but I can uh, get dual purpose out of that. Um, grouped really well, and but the only thing I was having extraction issues. It was not coming out of the chamber. Um, I did clean it. I didn't take. I know we kind of chatted about this, Thomas. I, did, I haven't taken it fully apart yet to try to clean the extractor itself, but. I did give it a good clean, and, and uh, so I, I don't know what's really going on there, but we'll try that first and see what happens, and then maybe I... What do you think? Do you think maybe I need a new spring, or what should I go to next after a good cleaning? Well, what I would do is just take a live round and just put it in, like, take the slide off, first of all, and just try to see if you can put the live round into the extractor and see if it'll hold it up, see if there's enough tension okay. that the extractor actually holds the round in place. That's and if there's thought. not, um, either the... the the spring or the extractor. Now it's a demo gun, right? Yep. So is the extractor sharp or is it is it is it worn? It want... appeared to be sharp. Yeah. I mean the the whole gun itself did not appear to have a lot of use. It did not look hard used at all. Okay, so there's probably just either a bunch of gunk inside, um, and that's common with the with the centerfire grandpa pistols. Um, you'll find that if you are really uh, a lot a large round count. If you start having extraction mm-hmm. issues, you actually want to remove the whole extractor and clean underneath. Because one of the guys okay. was complaining about that to uh, Jaro, the, the actual manufacturer, and he said to him, did you actually remove the extractor and clean underneath it? And the guy said, well, no. He goes, do that first. <laughs> and and that solved his problem. Yeah. So yeah. apparently that's that's an issue with the center fires. It could be the same. I've, I haven't had an extraction issue with, with mine. I had um, firing issues with mine at first. Okay. The... Yours is probably a newer one, but mine, when they, the screw that they used for the elevator, for the rear sight, for the elevation adjustment, was too long. Mm -hmm. And the channel goes right into the firing pin channel. So the screw was coming down and it was hitting the spring for the firing pin. So I was getting like, so once I shortened up the screw, but the, the man, the, uh, the contractor who made the sights, they put long, they put the wrong size screws in and they made them too long, so. But that was a known issue. Yeah. That was corrected shortly. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I wasn't having any any issues that way firing. It was just the uh, the extraction. Every, everything else was great. I mean, when it fired, it was or when it extracted, it was great. I loved it. And you found your extra mags. Yep, yep. I bought two extra mags at uh, SFRC. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, yeah. Ordered those. They came. They came in about a week or so. And yeah, you good. should you should still a be able. Places didn't have stock, but. Yeah, because yeah, because Dave's been slowly going under, but he still has. Yeah. I think the only thing he says he doesn't have is recoil springs right now. So if you need an extractor okay. spring, he should probably still have them in stock, or you could suggest an alternate spring. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I'll I'll try to get it apart first, but I think you said I need to buy a, a roll pin punch set. Yeah, you're gonna need one. If you with that gun, you're gonna need a roll pin punch set. Because everything's held in by a roll pin. If you use the wrong site, like if you use a straight punch, you can damage the pin itself, and then you'll be buying more roll pins. Okay. okay. All right. Good to know. Well, I'll tackle that eventually in my spare time. Let me get that fixed up. <laughs> it's gonna, um, it's, it's gonna be tight. So what I suggest is, is remove the slide from the gun when you're doing it, and put the, the slide on a, on a hardwood surface because you're gonna have to have a little okay. pressure to tap that spring out, and put something underneath it because it's small. You don't want to roll away on you. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. We all have experiences with that. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and I, uh, I got out to a Thursday night pistol night, which was good. Uh, we shot around a PPC, and I was actually really happy with the results, even though I haven't really been shooting much, but I think I did pretty well. Pretty sure I won, so that's always good. Um, I was talking to the, the club president when I was there, and he's like, hey, you were out there on Sunday morning with Amanda? And I was like, yeah, why? He's like, oh, well, we got some noise complaints. We People could hear you. And I was like, oh, man, what happened? Um, so we're not allowed to shoot outside uh, until after 12 o'clock on Sundays. And uh, we were shooting inside, but it was stinking hot, so I, I opened the range doors. <laughs> I didn't really think about how, how loud it would be out the doors. And Amanda even said something. She's like, you better not do that. And I was like, oh, it's just so hot in here. I want some airflow. And of course, I get in crap for it. So, <laughs> how how close are the nearest neighbors? It's it's on the outskirts of town, but he said that someone was in town and could hear us. So, but it was twenty to twelve when we yeah, were it wasn't there. that it, yeah, but it was still it was against the rules, right? It's against yeah. the and rules, I, and I should know better, and you knew better, and you told me, and I didn't listen. So, yeah, <laughs> what am I supposed to do? What are you gonna do? No, we 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 had the same rules at. at Port Perry, and it wasn't because of bylaws or anything. It was just a club rule, just to stay friendly with the neighbors. Well, that's all this is too, right? Yeah. You know, there's a lot of Amish and people around us, and they just want to be respectful of Sunday morning church and that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So, but other than that, anything else to add? That's about all I did. Yeah. So obviously, I did uh, the same things for the most part. When I took my bow out, I have to say I'm getting really frustrated with my arrows. Uh, the knocks on the newest set that I bought keep flying off. Uh, I could try and glue them down, but really nothing compares to the first set of arrows that I purchased uh, when I first got the bow. Are so they, I think I'm going to try and see if I can find them somewhere. Are they diff- they a different brand? Yes. And, I, I mean, I only... I'm still pulling the 20 pounds. So the arrows themselves, if I try something a little more thicker and stiff, they just are wonky when you're trying to shoot them. And I get really frustrated because uh, Josh like, lent me a few and said, here, try try mine, see if it works better. But it doesn't. It doesn't. 
And yeah, the flimsy ones are the best for accuracy. I, I feel a lot better with my shots. And um, so as much as I was enjoying getting back into the groove, I had to really look at the arrow that I was using to try and adjust to even remotely try and hit my target. So we have um, a cross-country shoot coming up at the end of September, and that will include the archery circuit, and I want to go and get prepared. I want a new quiver. I've made it very clear. I'm going to get a new quiver, and I'm going to get new arrows and hopefully get the exact same that I had before. So. You can make it as clear as you want. I'm not arguing. Go for it. You're not arguing? All right, so we're going to go to if you, if you can't If you can't find them locally, uh, we have a yeah. massive archery department where I work. Oh, awesome. Massive, eh? Massive, yeah. How massive? It takes up the hunting section. I bet you the archery takes up half the store because it's half, well, half the store. Do you still have any of the, Pardon? Still have any of the original arrows or... Yeah, I have one original arrow. So you could tell Thomas what it is and see if he has them. Yeah. Or just go on the website. Just go on the web. Everything will be listed on the website. And it's a live oh, inventory. Perfect. Yeah, it's a live inventory. So if they've got them, you can, you can get them pretty quick. Oh, very good. Uh, so maybe I'll have to take you up on that and see. Do you have any cool quivers there too or no? I'm not into archery, so I don't really look at the quivers. But we've got uh, we've got like... An archery test in the back. We do uh, tuning, everything. We've got an indoor range archery just for just for the staff for testing. Then we have the main archery range. We we sell hundreds of crossbows and longbows, and because the the owner is a big deer hunter and he likes archery, so we've got a beautiful archery section. Well, we were planning a, a trip up to Barry. Are you guys on the way? No, you got to keep going well past Barry. Damn. All right. Well, I'll make it a point to come over there. It, well, I'll take a look online first to see if it's... Yeah, if you can't, if you can't find them locally, look online and see if you can get them out there. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, that was my frustrating point, though, is I want to be... I feel like because I've been playing around with arrows so much, nothing beats the first set, and the only reason why I was losing the first six was I practiced in the field that I used to live at next door. And I was a new shooter going at a very small target. So whereas I find the targets at the archery circuit are quite large, so it's really hard to miss. The, the, it can be done. It can be done, obviously. <laughs> Do you have a range but, finder, uh, Josh? Uh, no, that's something on my bucket list. Mm-hmm. I have to look for that. But in the meantime, like, yeah, nothing beat the first set. I find the, the plastic veins were... Thinking about a metal detector. Metal, yeah, for your <laughs> I one, one set. Too. Yeah, that come in handy yeah. the range too. Oh, yeah. totally. Usually they find they used to find my carbon fiber arrows when they cut the grass <laughs> and they explode. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I'm sure they're actually building on the lot that I used to shoot at now, so I'm sure they've dug them up by now. That's funny. Um, <laughs> and they're probably lost in the abyss. Uh, and at the archery circuit, there's a lot of bush in behind, so you kind of have to walk through it all to look and see. And you get covered so, in burrs. <laughs> yeah. What What do you think is the best color to to have on your arrows? We had that to re- conversation. To, reco- to, to recover re- them? To recover them, yes. Well, fluorescent orange is actually the easiest to, to see. That's why they, they mandate it for hunter safety. 
Mm-hmm. That makes sense. But anything bright, you can get knocks that glow in the dark. They're, they're illuminated. Oh, that'd be cool. But they're probably like, hot. They're probably expensive. Yeah, that's true. Like, I mean, I think I spent. I feel like it was eleven dollars an arrow for my first set. But they were really good. I really, I really enjoyed them. I wonder if there's a difference between, say, a target arrow and a hunting arrow. Because, like, a hunting arrow is going to be camouflaged. It's going to have dark colors yeah. and different fins. So I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's, there's probably a high visibility target arrow. Yeah. It's just not something GPS. I've ever looked into. No. Well, originally the set I got, it was uh, the black carbon fiber, but the fletching was hunter green and white, and then the knock was a bright, bright green. I'm like, oh, I should be able to see the bright, bright green. No, not at all. So not even a little bit. And I can never see them on the target either. No, I have a really hard time. But something that I need to look into anyway. And I also got to uh, shoot the K-22. I definitely love the sight. Yeah, it's really nice. It's a really nice gun. I really I, wish I had that on my Q100. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I find the um, the grip and the ambidextrous. I find the left side is a little more sticky for the mag release. And I'm not 100% on this, the safety. Yeah, they're That's, kind of big and floppy and in the way maybe a little bit. I don't know. Because I, I makes my thumb go in a different spot than I'm used to. Does, it have, the, does it have the large safeties on it? Yeah. yeah, giant, giant safety. Oh yeah, you gotta change those. <laughs> those, those are uncomfortable. Or you can trim them. Yeah. yeah, yeah, maybe. See, it doesn't make it uncomfortable for me. My hands are a little smaller, but I find even setting it down on the, um, the table. Well, yeah, you can't yeah. set it flat. You can't set it flat <laughs> because it's so big. Yeah, I just so I mean, it's 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 a nice looking design, but it's impractical. Because yeah. I find it gets in the way because they're so big. Is that I might have a set kicking around. I know I, I sent... Mark Price got my grips, and I might have sent him the extended set. So I, I, I'll have to look. See if I got a set around. Yeah. Sure. And I don't know what I did with them, but I can't find... We were playing with the, uh, the back straps for Amanda. Like, we were trying to set it up so it was comfortable for both of us. And I was holding it with the smaller back strap. And I actually didn't mind it like I, i've had the biggest one on there on my q100 the whole time because at the time i thought that felt the best but now i'm wondering if i should maybe reduce it on my q100 as well um just makes it a little bit easier to hit the mag release and just i don't know they should be interchangeable yeah but he can... true but i want to i want to keep them the same right so oh, I mean, the same you, you should be able to use the same oh, q100 might be different i'm just thinking the back straps might fit both guns like on, on my excalibur and the extra that's what I'm saying is I'd have, fit, yeah. I'd have to pop it off. Yeah, but you can't I find them. Have to pop it off. Same one. Yeah, I can't yeah, find yeah, them. Can't. <laughs> I don't know where I put them. they got to be in my gun area somewhere. But just everything's been a little bit discombobulated for the last little while. So they got to get organized down there. We need to get organized everywhere. Let's be <laughs> honest here. But you know what I do really like that's oversized on that gun is the mag release. It's got an oversized mag release, and that's really nice. Yeah. There's, there's yeah, a couple of things it. I like about it. The sights are really good. The trigger is fantastic. The, yeah, the, oh, yes. it really was. Yeah. They've got um, a target version of that thing um, with a fixed barrel, and it doesn't have the big slide. It comes off the back, and it's got like a six-inch barrel. It's a laser beam. It's, 
Yes. Yeah. You know, it was expensive, but I'm surprised that thing didn't catch on in the sports shooting community because it's a fantastic little 22. Like for the money, it's it a got, yeah, it was like 750 for the 22. So you're competing with metal guns and plastic guns. For some reason, right. people tend to gravitate towards the metal. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I'm super happy with it for the for the price, especially like it's yeah. great. What did he give it to you for? He advertised it, so we had it on uh, Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, think, it was uh, three fifty. Yeah, because my crap, I paid, I paid over six for mine. Yeah, and that's no tax. Yeah. And then I just bought two mags, and the mags were thirty bucks each, twenty eight twenty eight dollars or something each plus tax. Yeah, it worked out well. It was a good deal. Oh yeah, I got a good deal on the nine. I think it was four. That was good. I think it was four fifty for the ten millimeter, which yeah. isn't bad. It was like seven hundred. Actually, I think you got a better deal. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, maybe. But it is only a twenty-two. But yeah, I love the look so. of that gun with all the scalloping on the slides, and it's just a nice, yeah. sharp-looking firearm, and it's super accurate. Just it makes me want to get an X-Trim and nine mil now. <laughs> you can find them cheap right now. <laughs> he had one of the max yeah. ones on, on sale. Yeah. Now with the X Kells, I've noticed. Well, if Amanda gets a new quiver and arrows, I can have an X Trim nine mil, right? If you're gonna get the X Trim nine mil, okay. What you want to do is the. Um, I lost my train of thought there. They changed something on. Them. Oh yeah, the barrels. My my X Kell, it had the big fluted bull barrel that was. Right. That would that was uh, was it IDP or Ipsic? You couldn't use it with that barrel. So for the match version, oh, really? they put just a thicker bull barrel. They didn't put the big. You can't have a fluted barrel. So they put a different barrel okay. uh, on the newer ones, the match ones. They're they tend to be a little more accurate. I found with the Xcals, two two and a half inch group with my Q one Q one hundred. You have I could keep them under a half inch if I took my time. Like they would put them right. through the same hole. So I find the big round fluted barrel doesn't really increase your accuracy. You're better off just to get the, the match version with, with just the straight bull barrel, not the fluted barrel. It looks cool, mm-hmm. though. But... Yeah. All right, gentlemen, let's well, you, move you on do, to the main topic. You did do something else. What? You signed up for a gun day. Oh, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> Thanks to Wanda. Shout Thanks out to, to Wanda. Thanks to Wanda. Yes, shout out Wonderful Wanda. Wanda. Wonderful, Wanda. Uh, so Wanda and I will be going to the 519 range and participating in the CCFR's Lady Shoot. Excellent. Uh, pretty, yeah, so that is on the same as our club's fish fry, which is September the 11th. And I think so we're going to go for the 1030 shoot. I'm going to come home and then get ready to go to the fish fry for the evening at our club and... Yeah, it's going to be a busy day, and it happens to land on a day where we don't have kids. So. And I'm driving three hours to go get the fish. Yes, you're going to go get fish. So <laughs> I'm going to have 100 on. pounds of pickerel in my car. Yeah. Oh, that would be nice, though. Be yeah. yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I am excited for that. I totally forgot about that. Thank you. Yeah, the tickets are sold out, though, for the Cambridge location. But originally, she contacted me about one in Peterborough. So if anyone is interested in this up that way, the lady shoot there, it's the same date. I believe it was uh, 9 to 12 or 8 to 12 up there. So uh, I would suggest uh, going and taking a look for more information about that. I'll see if I can grab a link to post in our our uh, Show notes. notes there. 
Yes, no. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Before Josh reminded me wholeheartedly about Rudely that. interrupted you. Yes, there you go. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, getting ready for hunting season. Is it already that time? The leaves are changing. So oh, another, another month. Oh, the bird season's scary. a little bit out. I know. I know. So, you know, Thomas, you are going to be our lead on this conversation today because, you know, Josh and I are still pretty new at this whole thing. So why don't you uh, jump on in and let us know what we need to know. Well, where I work, this is the happiest time of the year. This is like Christmas <laughs> because everybody where I work, the owner's family, they're all big, big hunters. Archery, firearms, birds, mostly deer, but no. So at where I work, it's nothing but hunting. So what is hunting? Well, in Ontario, hunting includes chasing, pursuing, following after or, or on the trail of, searching for, shooting, shooting at, stalking, or lying in wait for, worrying, molesting, taking or destroying any animal or bird, whether or not the animal or bird be then or subsequently captured, injured, or killed. So for any of these activities, you need a valid hunting license in the province of Ontario. The reason I mention that is it because photographers have been charged. They've gone out there and they've cornered animals and, you know, try to set up a shot and stuff. And you can't do it. You can't interfere with wildlife at all unless you have a valid hunting license in Ontario. And That's the regular... Interesting. Never... Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I remember reading this when I was a kid. Worry or a molest? What the... What kind of pervert story do we have out there? <laughs> <laughs> That's what we had to say before the show. Like, why, did he, why did he write molest? <laughs> well, because, you know... Would a molesting an animal be? <laughs> well, you say you, you corner uh, an animal in his den or something. You really interfere with that that animal's natural course of life, and, and you're chasing it and stuff. So I guess that's what it would be. Like you're not harvesting it. You're you're just. But that's that's the wording. So that's what we got to go by. <laughs> okay, fair enough. It just it creeped me out so at first. Because I have a hunting license, I can molest animals. It doesn't say right, sexually. It just says molest. Okay. <laughs> And then yeah, the hunting relations yeah. themselves in Ontario are actually a summary of many laws, and those are all listed in the Fish and Wild Act, uh, Fish and Wildlife Conservation Act, the Migratory Bird Game Act, Endangered Species Act, Species at Risk Act, Trespass Act, Firearms Act. So there's a lot of different legal aspects of hunting, and it's important to be aware of the laws that you're involved with, basically. Um, because it changes. Um, we'll, we'll, cut in that, we'll get into that later. So that's basically what hunting is in Ontario. So you have to have a license to har- harass and molest the animals, and then you're governed by many, many acts of parliament that you have to follow by. So once you get your license, you're all set. You can go out and do all these things. But, you know, it's funny. A lot of people, especially if they live in urban areas, um, they want to get their licenses. They want to get out there and hunt, but they don't have any practical experience. They, they want to do it, but they've never done it before. So there's a lot of people out there that have never gone hunting before. They don't have hunters in their families. They don't, they don't have a mentor. They don't have anyone to learn by. So they, they tend to uh, learn from what they read on the Internet, books, shows like us, you know, friends, whoever introduced them in sports. So if, if you're new to it, there's a lot of things that you, you're going to have to Really focus on your first time out if you want to be successful. Uh, so, so we're going to talk about some of the gear and things that you need to do if you're out in the field. So, say, um, say for example, bird season's coming up, deer season's coming up. Um, you can either you've got two ways to hunt. You can either have access to public land or private property. Okay, um, public land is uh, high pressure, so it's it's 
it's very difficult to harvest an animal on private on public land. It can be done. Um, but one of the important things if you're going to go out there, whether it be public land or private land, is get out there before the season starts and scout the area. Like a couple of months before, you'll get your adrenaline going because you know you're going to be out there harvesting in a couple of months. So go out there, scout the area, and when you go this in might there... Be a dumb question. might sure. be a dumb question, but what's, what would public land, what would you consider public land? Like crown land? Like where would you... Where would you have to go to find that? Because I don't think there's any public land around me anywhere within a close drive. There probably is. They don't advertise it. There's a lot with uh, some of the wildlife management areas. And there's areas that are people have land that they allow people to hunt on. And it's run through the ministry. But there's areas that it's it'd be a mix of, say, crown land and uh, private land. And they allow hunting. Yeah, okay. So okay. there used to be, say, around me, there used to be the Pefferlaw Tract. You used to be able to go up there and hunt. It was public land. But the problem is the the public land that was around here, around the GTA, it's mostly all gone now because of urbanization. So you right, just, and that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah, anything local, like you have to you have to find a place. I only knew the stuff down here. I don't know any of the public lands way up north. But the Pepperlot mm-hmm. track's gone because they built subdivisions around it. So all they do is just put noise bylaws. So you can still hunt with deer with bows, but you can't discharge firearms. Uh, yes. Same with Civil Point. The Civil Point Conservation Area, uh, it used to, in September, it shut down. The ministry would buy 4,000 pheasant. He used to be able to go in there hunt for the month of oh, September. Wow. But the, there's a, there was always a trailer park down the road. Now there's subdivisions up there. So I believe that got stopped quite long ago. Right. Uh, the closest one I know up in Port Perry, there's an area called the Nongquan, and it's a wildlife management area, and you can hunt in there. Um, a lot of people used to go in there to target shoot, and there's been a few incidents where projectiles actually landed on people's residences, so you can no longer target shoot on uh, the wildlife management areas. You can <laughs> hunt, but you can't target shoot now up in up in Port Perry because they had incidents. So would so would it be best to be checking out some of these conservation areas that are closest to you to see if they allow hunting? There is a few. Uh, the Ganaraska Forest. Well, near like me. Like C4? Like, I think maybe there's uh, one not too far away, maybe. Because I do see a lot of hunters out walking around. <laughs> so yeah. Just yeah. north of Seaforth there. Yeah, there's yeah. probably well, something up there. Um, up over yeah. here, the 35-115, there's Ganaraska Forests. Uh, it's it's a pay as you go. There's you have to belong to it. It's not a lot of money, but that oh, okay. uh, turkey hunting, deer hunting is all done through the Ganarasco forests as well too. Interesting. So what you want to do okay. is you want you want to you basically when you go in there you want to try to look for tracks. You want to see uh, for them going to and from a food location or water. Um, it's funny. I was, I'd never seen as many. I was up at a, it's a private line a couple of years ago and I'd never seen so many game trails. It was nothing but game trails. I could see the trails where the deers were coming in. I could see where the birds were coming. I, there was some sand set up and I could see where the turkeys were scratching around. So you want to get in there. <clears throat> you want to approach it downwind. You don't want them smelling, smelling you before you go in. So approach them downwind so they don't track you and just keep your eyes open. As I said, look for anything. Um, Scrapes. If you're hunting deer, you want to look for scrapes where the, the, the bucks have been rubbing their, their antlers up against the trees. You look for bedding areas and what they'll do, uh, deer especially and moose, they'll, they'll, they'll find an area that's enclosed and they'll, the, the gra- grass will be all matted down, all flattened because they'll all go down there and lay together at one spot. You see this huge flattened area in the middle of nowhere. That's where they've been bedding down for the night. 
Okay. Um, Quick question. Quick question. Uh, what about uh, reading material about specific animals? Is there a website or like a books? Like obviously farmers are, you know, uh, more in tune with the animals that they're taking care of. So I'm assuming with hunting, there must be some material that you could go and look for. Like you would know where to look for the bedding. You would know to look at for the scratch marks because you've had experience. So uh, with turkey hunting, is there anything that's available to a brand new newbie? Well, thank God for the internet, because say 20 years ago, you couldn't yeah. find anything online. Like you, you had to go to library or bookstores. There's all kinds of fantastic material. There's all kinds of wonderful sources online, like experts, Field and Stream, all kinds of hunting-oriented publications that kids have. Um, okay. Last one I saw, um, I think it was Sports Illustrated. They actually had a setup for a food plot and how to set everything up and. So but maybe those hunting magazines. Uh, I wonder are, why there's not courses. You know, like there's so many firearms and shooting courses, and what, you know, why isn't there actually like a hunting, a real hunting course, like a practical hunting course? I think there is. You know, I think I remember reading that was a guide to games. They there there are advanced courses. There's your basic license requirement courses, but there I, I have seen guide to game did some game courses. So there, I'm, yeah. I'm sure there's courses out there. But whatever species that you are hunting, it's a good idea, like Amanda suggested, is research the individual species. Like, what do they see? What do they eat? Um, yeah. Like, deer hunters are, are, are fantastic for that. They'll, they'll, if you go to an area and you see hemlock and you see oh, acorns and, and apple trees, you know that's a place they're going to be feeding. But it's a good idea. Get to learn the species that you're, that you're going to be hunting, what they eat, what they drink, how they travel. Perfect. Yeah, it's a good idea. Another thing to look for is excrement, especially if you're around bear season. It's you can't miss those, so you need to keep your eyes open if you see those big black ones with all kinds of berries in them. And that's another thing to excrement berries. And another thing you should set up up. It's always a good idea to invest in a half decent pair of binoculars because you're going to see so much. Because as soon as you get into an area, as soon as they spot you, you're gone. That they're gone, I should say. So it's a good idea to get in there down with the binoculars and scout everything first. If you can afford trail cams, those are great too. Um, and the technology is really advanced in the trail cams. You know, originally, they're just film. They had to go back, develop their film <laughs> weeks later. <laughs> now it's instant Wi-Fi, Bluetooth. You can something triggers it, it's hooked up to your cell phone. You get a you get a photo immediately, so you can see who's the idiot that's going to trying to steal your right. your, your camera. <laughs> you can see trespassers. And that's that's the big thing too is that if somebody is trespassing, and they see a trail camera, a lot of times they'll just shoot it, or they'll steal it. <laughs> so if you do get a trail camera, set it up. I've heard all kinds of stories. Just set it up in, in a really camouflaged spot because if somebody sees it and they've been trespassing and doing something they shouldn't be doing, they're gonna take it. So. Yeah. Fair enough. I love this note that you have about ammo here. It says, don't wait until the last minute. Once you find a brand and bullet weight that performs best in your firearm, buy several boxes of the same lot number. I love that. Because I don't know how many times you have said on this show how the ammo shortage is such a thing. And with COVID, the way that it happened, like the last two years, it's just been even more ridiculous. So, and I don't, do you want to dig into that? 
I don't. I said I haven't been to the store since uh, December. Well, I've been except for shooting, so I don't know what the current inventory like is like on the ammo. I know when I walked through there, they, we had lots of shotgun shells, but last year, um, stuff like thirty thirties, thirty out sixes, three oh eights, they book up. We weren't getting the supplies that we were from the states, and you'd have you had some guys really smart. They'd come in the summertime, you know, say they had like a three oh seven Winchester Audubon. They'd order everything ahead of time. So come September, they had their ammo. But the people that showed up at the last minute, say, they, say they're going to set up for a Winchester 270, 150 grain bullet. Well, we don't have any. We're sold out. So they'll grab another projectile. Maybe a different bullet weight, maybe a different manufacturer. Well, their gun's already sighted in for that one particular round. You change your, your manufacturer and, and your bullet weight, you don't know where your bullet's going to be flying. So it's always, yeah. you know, if you're going to be hunting... Especially when he first started out, I would buy two or three boxes right off the bat. Use the yeah, first half like, of it's not like target shooting either because yeah. you're not going to run through. You're not, not going to run through them. them. Use the first box yeah. just to, to break in the gun and, and get it dialed in, and you've got a couple. Of se- you got four or five seasons of ammo. Right. Not to mention that there have been absolutely crap for sales. Yeah, nothing's on sale. <laughs> no. Mr. Frugal over here is constantly looking. For and, sales on ammo, and we can never find anything anymore. And not to throw, uh, not to throw Mike under the bus either. But I mean, that's why he didn't get a turkey last uh, season because he wasn't ready. He didn't have his ammo. He wasn't patterned. Yeah, that was his excuse, anyways. So yeah, get out there quick, do it. Do well, you know, and, and, and for his defense, like you know, he Mike is a busy guy. He works night shifts. He's got two young kids. He's yeah. an active competition shooter. He didn't have time. It was a last minute thing. Oh, I should go turkey hunting, and. He, he's usually very successful at what he does. So if maybe if yes. he'd gotten out there a little bit beforehand and got the stuff he needed, he might have had some success. But it was a last-minute thing for him to do it. So I'm not I'm not gonna throw him under the bus for it. It's like I, I well, think no, I'll go exactly. turkey hunting. Exactly. It's the same reason when uh, uh, Josh was going else. for those uh, handgun competitions. How many times did you say, "I'm gonna do dry fire. Yeah, I'm gonna do dry yeah. firing. You never well, ended up doing I, it. And that's why I did it because uh, yeah. you know Mike has so much opportunity to get me. I got to get him on something. Right? Oh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, uh, all very important points. So it's really important to get out there early. Um, get your ammo early, and also figure out, I guess, what kind of firearms you're going to be using. So, well, yeah, you have to figure. Well, out, a, a lot of people they don't realize that there's maybe restrictions. So, say in an area, okay. it'll be shotgun only or muzzleloader for deer. Other areas, it'll be a rifle, rifle only, or there could be a combination of those, or it could be archery only. And it's you know some of the stuff you got to remember too is that. Um, you're going to have ammo restriction for some species. So say, for example, turkey. I think it's you can only use 4.56. You can't use anything more than 4.56. You're limited to 20 gauge for, for deer. There's all kinds of regulations pertaining to the actual firearm and the ammunition that you're using. So you have to be aware of that before. It, you really got to study those regulations. It'll tell you specifically what... See, the whole province is divided into wildlife management units. And each wildlife management unit has its own specific rules. And the units aren't very big. So, you know, and it can be divided by a river or a road. So you really, if you're going into an area, you have to know the regulations in that particular area. Because on the other side of the road, it could be, it could be rifle. It may not be shotgun. Or it could be no hunting on a Sunday. So you, you really have to be aware of it. 
same with your license and tags and, and your paperwork. Like you have legal requir requirements. You have to have your tag. Same with driving a car. You have to have the proper tag. You have the license. Um, and do not alter your tags at all. We had some of the, a lot of the tags was the deer tags last year. They were paper and they were huge. So some of the hunters, it, it has to stay intact. So some of the people would, would, they would photocopy them and then minimize them. They got charged oh. for doing that. You have to keep it in its original state. You, 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 there was, even though the ministry said you could do it, conservation officers were still charging people. So you know yeah. little things like that. So have all your paperwork with you. Have it in a sealed bag where it's not going to get wet. Ziploc bag or something. Yeah. yeah. In case it rains. <laughs> yeah, it's very important to know um, the regulations in your area. Even with fishing, we. Uh, before we even went out fishing with the kids, even though we were likely going to do catch and release, it was still, <laughs> okay, what can we catch here? What is a, what are we allowed to keep? What can we take home with us? Uh, if anything, not that we caught anything at all, but the idea was, okay, we, don't do that. we were in a completely different area. So zone 19 was where we were fishing at this time around. So it was, it obviously there uh, reasons for those zones creating those bylaws. So. And then uh, mandatory reporting too, right? You can't forget about that. Mm -hmm. What kind of trouble too for not doing that? Did you guys have to? Do you guys run into the MNR at, out, at all when you're out fishing? I never have. No. I've run into the bush a couple times. It's 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 kind of intimidating. Because you're armed, really? he's armed, and he has a lot of power. Yeah, it's, it's like any, it, yeah, it's like any interaction with somebody. Even if you've done everything right, I mean, yeah. He said, "Yeah, give me a favor. Like, can you unload that fire and put it down for me?" No problem, officer. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> okay, now I feel better. Mm-hmm. But sure. you know, you know, d dealing with the MNR and the Fishing Game Act, they've got, they've got seizures and forfeiture powers far beyond that of. of local police like the police they can't take your personal property you know if, if say for example if the police catch a uh, drinking say you're on a boat and you've got a, a cooler full of beer on the boat and you're drinking okay they don't charge with anybody with impaired driving so the police just they want to take take the beer well they can take the beer but they can't take the cooler you can say no no that's my personal property you bring it back that doesn't work in the fishing game act anything associated with the crime itself all gets confiscated so if you, you've got your boat, your ATV, whatever, your truck, everything that you have on you, if you commit a serious offense, they don't always take it all. It has to be a serious offense. They will impound everything, and then you have to pay impound fees until the court case, and then whatever fines. So it's it can get expensive when you break the law. And the other thing is, if, for example, you have, and it does happen, and there's exemptions for this in the Act, things things happen. Um, if you do um, break the law, say you harvest something that you shouldn't, I would honestly suggest contact the ministry if there's an unintended violation of the Fish and Game Act, because the consequences will be far less severe than you getting charged during an inspection. I'll give you an example. Right. Uh, Friends of mine, I'll give you two separate examples. I first started with the TTC, a uh, bunch of old Italian guys that used to work with, decided to go bear hunting. Uh, this one, they had the old FAC pal. Nobody had a hunting license. They harvested several bears. There was five of them. 
they all they got caught. They all got charged. Um, the fine was five thousand dollars each. Michael had oh. to pay for impounding fees for his car. When the pound, I think his impounding fees were five thousand dollars each. They all lost their firearms licenses, and they all lost their uh, prohibited from getting their hunting licenses for I think for five, a couple of years. Oh wow! Wow, cost them a fortune. Well, that was pretty dumb, though. <laughs> well, yeah, they're poaching. They just—they deserve everything that they got, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah. Other instance, friends of mine from my old club were out moose hunting a couple of years ago. Um, they only had one tag, so I think there's four or five of them. Two guys are out at the exact same time. They fire a shot. They both harvest a moose at the same time. But there's only one tag, and they both commented that it was the strangest sounding shot they've ever heard because they heard their shot and the, the shot in the distance. They, they both said that I thought there was something wrong with my gun. It sounded weird, so they didn't know that each had fired the shot. They just couldn't figure out what the, the, <laughs> the sound was, right? And then they discovered that they harvested an extra moose. So they called the ministry. Uh, ministry came up. Uh, in a case like that, they, they take the animal, whether it's, you're going to lose it. But the one that they did have the tag for, they got the cap. Now, the conservation officer was pretty cool. He only charged the one guy. He kept the fine, and he said, look, I'm not going to charge you all, but I have to fine you. So he said, fine's $1,000. You all split the fine. So I think it worked out like $250 each. And he took the carcass. So they didn't impound anything, they didn't take anything, but because they were being honest, they said, look, we screwed up. He said, okay, well, here's your fine for screwing up. We're taking the animal. Have a good day. They all walked out of there with yeah. their licenses intact and all the vehicles and everything else. So, Yeah, accidents are bound to happen in yeah. some form. Yeah. Yeah. But you're always you're always better to, to own up to it because if you get caught through an inspection, you're screwed. You really are because then the attitude kicks in. Right, right. Yeah, I can imagine. And then, like the fines, there's, there's a whole. I was going through some of the fines. So the Ontario Court of Justice has sets of fines, um, and usually I was going through the fines. Usually the 200, 300, 200, 300, like all the all the minor ones, not having your license with you, 200, and all this other stuff. Except for a couple of things, fail to safeguard thing as required. So I think that's a, that is hooked up to the fact that if the conservation officer can't take the animal for some reason. He's got evidence, but he can't take it with you with him. He can leave it with the occupant until he comes back. You're allowed, he's allowed to do that. If you interfere with that, if you take that game and say, well, there's no bear now, what are you talking about? That, <laughs> making a false statement to a conservation officer, obstructing a conservation officer, there are no set fines. The fine can be whatever they want. There's no limit on it. Uh, wow. <laughs> Minor uh, the fines were quite minor, but major violations, uh, depending on the act, because you've you've got several different acts that are in there. The fines can go from twenty five up to twenty five thousand and a year in jail, or up to a hundred thousand and a couple years in jail. So those are like big time poachers guys who go out and killing bears yeah. for the gallbladders and stuff like that. They throw the books at people like that because there's so many trees and everything else involved. Mm-hmm. So have you guys Easy, got? But... So have you got if, if you got any new hunting gear yet, Josh? Uh, no, <laughs> I, I've been looking, I've been thinking about getting some camo because obviously I didn't have any last time and I got made fun of, um, but I was, <laughs> I was in a, I was in a blind, so I didn't think it really mattered, but I did buy, um, I don't know what you call it, but I bought like a, like a hood thing, like a, kind of like a ghillie hood thing to put over my head at least. Cause I didn't know, I didn't know what the blind would be like. I thought maybe my top half would be exposed, but it wasn't. 
Mm-hmm. So I had that. And I, I feel like if I go turkey hunting again, I want to try it without a blind. So I want some sort of camo outfit or camo blanket or, I don't know, maybe like a poncho thing or something. I don't know. We'll see if I if I get that. But I, I, I don't know. I think I have enough. I have a lot of, I have enough warm clothes and boots and all that kind of stuff. I just don't have camo things. So. Yeah, it's important to have camo. You know, it's, yeah. this time your things well, are starting to change. Thought, like, what if I just got like a, like a cover, right? Like a poncho or something. I don't know if that's something that is available, but then I wondered how that would, if that would get tangled up in my gun or not, right? I don't want to. You can get, bump uh, it you can get camo coveralls, overalls. You can just put them right over your coat and yeah. everything else. Just zip it in, zip it out. That's a good idea. Yeah, you like that? Yeah. That's the thing with with the with the weather starting to change soon. You're you're you don't really have to think about clothing as much, say for the bird season, because the summer's still coming in and the fall's just starting to kick in. But once it starts getting cold out, then you start really have to thinking about, especially if you're deer hunting. Clothing makes a big difference in and how you'll yeah. survive your hunt. Right. Right. Okay. And it's it's funny that someplace technology has uh, evolved a long way, especially footwear. There's so many different insulating air layers and all type of insulating materials. So you can Keeping get some dry with sweaty. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's yeah. that's that's the trick. Is 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 once you get sweaty, then you start getting cold. So the whole idea is just to stay dry while you're out there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So clothing is important. It, it's a bit because you're going to be out there all the especially if you're, if you're scouting. But whatever you have on is going to be what you're going to have for the day, especially if you get dropped off. Say, oh, we're going to pick you up tonight. And you're out there by yourself all day and you're not you're you're, stuck there. You're stuck there. <laughs> so it's always a good idea to bring, you can always take layers off. I always suggest bring extra layers and that way if you get hot, you can just take them off. I find the important thing to bring is, is socks because once my feet get cold, I'm screwed. Yep. But if I put dry yeah. socks on, usually they warm up pretty fast. Yeah. So what tools should you, if you're going in the bush, what kind of tools do you think you should bring with you, Josh? Uh, going out into the bush, I guess I want my uh, trusty uh, pocket knife. <laughs> uh, oh, I don't know what are, what are we hunting? Just in general. Just, just in general. Just in general. Just you're cutting through the it, bush. You're not you're, walk, you're not walking through a farmer's field. You're going. You're in the bush, so you're in an area where usually, you could be disorientated. Yeah, I just I would have Jeff, you know, drive me out there. Isn't he isn't he selling the farm? <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. You want to you want to have your knife, and I guess you know if you're depending on what time of day you're going. I guess you want a flashlight if you're scouting. I, I well, you guys can't hunt in the dark, but I mean you want to have that if you're heading to your site early, right? Or heading back late. I guess that would be necessary. Lighter matches, compass in case you get lost. Um, a whistle would probably be a good idea, and uh, you know a watertight bag and paracord. I was gonna I was gonna ask you about. Uh, when I kind of told you about my turkey uh, butchering experience, he said, well, why didn't you just do it out in the field? And then I was thinking, well, okay, well, that's a good idea. Now, what what would I need to do that? Would I need to bring, like, a cutting board out there with me? Would I need to – what kind of bags would I put the meat into after I'm done? And that kind of stuff. Like, what would you need to do to, to butcher a bird or an animal out in the field? Well, that's, that's a good point because something – like a smaller animal um... – if it's if you're just walking around for a couple hours, you should be okay. But the bigger animals, the the faster you empty that body cavity, the the, the better because the bacteria starts to breed up pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so usually, if you're 
if you're hunting big game, usually most people are, are you have to really prepare for it. You have to have coolers, you have to have what cheesecloth bags to wrap the meat in. Um, it depends how you're taking it out. If you're if you're if you're a lot of guys like to take out the whole animal, take it home and butcher it. A lot of people will quarter it up and butcher it. So you have to figure out how you're going to get it out of there. That's actually that's that's a big problem people don't think of. They shoot yeah, it. And how heavy is how heavy is it going to be, right? If you're walking out of there, it's 800 pounds, and you shot it in in, in a swamp. Uh, what are you going to do? <laughs> right. Jeez. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's a good point. You, you really have to think about how you're going to get back whatever you've harvested. Do you make my my so do, you sell, do you sell at your store like like bags specifically for yep. meat hauling? Yeah, <laughs> we have a bag. It's it's I think it's called cheesecloth. It's like a cheesecloth, but we sell everything oh. for processing game. But if it's cheesecloth, isn't it going to leak? I think you want the air to be exposed to it though. Like you okay. don't you don't want it to be in a, in a sealed bag. I was thinking like a plastic some sort of plastic bag. But... If it's refrigerated. Yeah, but you, you don't. So you want the air to it so it cools. Well, well, that's what most people do. Like they'll, yeah. they'll and they'll when they bring the animal home, they'll 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 age it, they'll hang it for a couple of days, age the meat. Okay. There's all kinds of fantastic books about processing game <laughs> and quartering it. So really, if you if you if you if you really if you're serious into hunting, that's another thing they should. That's a good point, Josh. You really should look into how to properly process the animal. Especially deer. That was because my that was a, my hardest part. It really it's, was. <laughs> it's a lot of it's 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 deer are nasty. Yeah. But it's and it's well, you have to do it. Yeah. And having yeah. the proper knife for it as well. The, the proper yes. knife. Well, not necessarily the proper knife. It's, I think with the EDC community, a lot of people it, it's it's price orientated, right? Like if you only got fifty bucks, that's all you have. You you get what you need. But if you're gonna yeah. if you're gonna start processing animals. You, then you, you want a blade steel that's going to hold up to the, the flesh and bone. Sabanza would do it, but I'm not taking that thing apart every time. <laughs> <laughs> I have lots of knives that would butcher animals. So any other tools that you would suggest then, Thomas? Well, then a couple other things you have to think of is, is your navigational tools, right? Because you're, you're going in the book, in the bush. So a lot of people, I always recommend bring a compass. I keep I carry one with me at all times when I'm going in the bush. And I like to have a compass because you should never rely on a GPS or your cell phone as your primary navigation because it runs in batteries. It's affected by electronic pulses. It's nice to have a simple magnetic backup just in case. Um, and the, I know how to, I know how to use it too because I, I took that land nav course through Ragnarok and I brought experienced hunters with me and they're like, you know what? I really learned something on that course. I've been hunting my whole life and I really didn't know how to accurately use a compass. It's really, it's, it seems so simple, but, you know, be educated on the tools that you have and know how to use them. Well, that's right. I, I have a bit of an advantage. When I was a kid, I took, I used to belong to this, this club and it was all orientation. So it was compass, hunting, everything. So a lot of this just yeah. comes second nature to me, but because I was taught as a kid and I don't even think about that nowadays. What I do a lot of times mm. do, if I'm going into an area, I always use the road that they came off as a point of reference. So if I go in and I know I'm parked in the road and the road is due west, if I get lost for any reason, I know if I go due west, I'll make it back to the road. So I always take a, a bearing before I go in. So if I do get turned around, and it's come in handy several times. Yeah, yeah. Of course. And I said the other thing is that never rely on your GPS as your only device. Um, 
I've just seen people get lost when the devices fail. The other thing you have to remember too is that especially uh, cell phones, anything that's got a lithium battery, they do not operate in the cold once it gets to below zero, and they will not recharge below zero. So, exactly. So, for example, well, even if it's too hot, it's and, not good either. And your right? signal too, right? Yeah, oh, and yeah. It'll, it'll affect your signal greatly too. Um, there are some devices, for example, say my Phoenix flashlight, I can run uh, alkaline batteries, which are fine. They're CR123s. So if I was going into the bush, I know in the wintertime, I would change out my batteries. Yeah, for sure. Now, there is, you know, a good thing you couldn't do is just whatever electronics you have, put them inside your coat. You put your flashlight in your uh -huh. coat, put your side, and just your body heat will, will, will protect it. And keep them turned off until you actually need to use them, uh, especially electronics. You don't want to be sitting there in your stand and all of a sudden your phone goes ding, 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 and there goes your shot. Turn everything, <laughs> yeah. turn everything off. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, what else? Well, I was giving you guys the play-by-play -play in my uh, turkey blind. I couldn't have my phone off. Well, this is true, but you're texting it was on silent mode, right? <laughs> yes, it was yeah. on silent. If yeah. you're not going to have it off, off, at least have it on silent. Another thing I like nowadays is that until recently, a lot of the topographical maps that you got, they're all U.S. or our Canadian Armed Forces military maps from the 50s and 60s. They'd never been updated. They're just the, the Canadian government toppled the whole country. Well, they're old. Things have changed. Um, you can get some really nice up-to-date topographical maps, and I always find, if I'm going to an area I'm not familiar with it, I always get a map when I go in. I'll order mm -hmm. it online, I'll go and buy it. I've, I've, I've got maps that are 30, 40 years old downstairs that are no use, but I've never thrown them out, but I still have the maps. And another good thing is, is your weather forecast. Um, especially a lot of times you'll, you'll carry an AM, FM radio or anything that's got a weather band. Always be aware of the forecast when you're in there. Cause I've had it where I've been in and, you get hit with bad weather and you're a day in the bush. It's 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 not pleasant. Well, I can only imagine. So what type of emergency gear do you think you should bring in? If you're going in the bush and you don't, you know, you're only intending to be there for the day, but, you know, something might happen. You get stuck there. What kind of gears do you, would you, should well, you bring with you? As Amanda always, accuses, Amanda always accuses me of getting hangry, so I always need snacks. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> he gets miserable if he doesn't eat breakfast on time or lunch on time dinner he can kind of push off maybe an extra hour but yes snacks would definitely be it water would be a huge thing because you just don't know if you would have any access to it normally you would not and even if there is access to some form of water doesn't mean it's going to be good water so yeah have you ever tried those light straws no i haven't do like the filter straws yeah yeah I haven't seen them. I've always been interested in that. That'd be good emergency water or something, you know, but to trust it, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of... Yeah. So I would think a first aid kit would be really important to have with you just in case. Yeah. So, like a minor cut know. or abrasion could, uh, if you're walking miles and miles, like if you guys have discovered with all your hiking, you get that blister in your foot, you're, you're, you're out of commission. So it's a good idea to have like a, a safety... First aid kit, bandage. Uh, if you have a major cut, um, a tourniquet. I've, well, there was even that time where we're at the archery circuit there, and I was carrying my bow, and uh, I rolled my ankle, and I kind of I caught myself, but I, I I hit the ground, and you know what if I was holding an arrow or something sharp, or I got impaled with something, who knows, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. definite possibility. People have done it. People have shot yeah. themselves. Fall, falling out of a deer brown of the deer blind. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, my brother-in-law's done that. He's fallen under the deer blind. 
The other thing I would bring is, is communications. So, say a signaling device. So I like the fox whistles, um, safety flares, uh, a mirror. What's a uh, what's a banger? Uh, bear banger. It's it's a 12 gauge round, so it's, it's great. I'm not sure if you have seen them for rifle. It just it's a class three. No, Class D firework that's discharged from a shotgun. So it fires the thing up, and it goes up maybe 100, 150 yards, and then the biggest explosion you've ever heard in your life. <laughs> oh, wow. We need to of those. That would have been cool. Yeah, that would have been very cool. Rolling street bangers. We could yeah. have pop those. Oh, I'm, I'm sure that's going over well with the municipality. So. <sighs> Do you ever carry uh, like a bear spray or like a dog spray? No. I carry a gun. I don't. Uh, you know, if you if you spray a grizzly bear with bear spray, he's gonna get really pissed off and kill you. If you scare spray a black bear, he might get ticked off and run away, or he get real pissed off and kill you. Like, you yeah. Know, there, you can't say that a uh, a device like a, a Putting hot sauce in the bear's eyes can make him run away. You could piss him off and come after him. So, and it happens. Like grizzlies, everything that I lived in BC, anything that applies to black bears in Ontario does not apply to grizzly bears in BC. Right. They're totally two different things. Grizzlies are territorial. They think they're in your area. They will hunt you down. Where you know a black bear, you start making noise with a pen, whatever. Unless she's got cubs with you, they usually take off. So. Well, they're a little more curious, and I think in general can be. Oh yeah. Can be. But can you know, flare, flares or bear bangers, even like a bear banger, is good for as a distressed or for scaring the bears and stuff. And <clears throat> I, I like pocket warmers. I love pocket warmers. They're fantastic, especially I have a refillable one. I, I think mine's a Zippo. I can fill that sucker up. It's like lighter fluid, and it burns for 10, 15 hours. I think Terry's coming in. I can hear the dog barking. <laughs> I've always wondered about those, uh, you know, DeWalt or Milwaukee jackets that you can put batteries into. They're good too. That would be like an underlayer though, because I think I've, uh, yeah, yeah. people have a big misconception about those things. It's great. It's a lightweight jacket with the heater, but when the heater goes, you just have a lightweight jacket. <laughs> so it's a good right. idea to have something on top of it. Yeah. Well, and the only thing I would bring, I usually, I have a, one of those space blankets. A couple of those oh, space yeah, blankets. They don't weigh good. anything. You can get them a little, a little bit bigger and they're like a sleeping bag. So you can actually put your whole body in it is for shelter. I typically have one in my first aid <clears throat> kit. So, um, probably something that usually comes pretty standard in your bigger first aid kit, I would believe. What do you do for bugs out in the woods? Cause you can't spray anything on you, right? Cause they're going to smell it. I really yep. love those mosquito nettings that just come over your face. That's that's the problem. Sometimes you've got to seal yourself right up so that insects can't get in, but then you're sealing all the heat in and it gets really hot and uncomfortable. Um, yeah. I've heard of people using those. What's those repellent things that off makes? It puts out... Um, oh, not, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if the deer would pick up on that scent or not. Yeah. Huh. I would think... They would. Well, one of the reasons I, I, I include a lot a lot of this stuff and what to bring with you is just in case you get lost, basically. Because um, yeah. it, it does happen. 
that brings up something else with clothing though, Thomas, and the smell. Like, do you wash your, like, how do you wash your hunting stuff? Like, you can't really have any dryer sheets or anything in there too, right? You gotta, some people keep it like in a bin separately so there's no odor, right? We have an entire section at work of nothing but laundry supplies for your hunting clothes, all unscented, desanitized. Oh. It's nothing, it's all meant for washing hunting clothes. What a lot of guys will do is they'll, they'll wash it. And then they'll hang it outside. They'll take it out of the house. So it's in the right. outside air overnight. Um, the one thing you have to watch, me being a smoker, I oh, I got to wear a patch when I go hunting. Because <laughs> they'll smell it. They'll, they'll smell it. But then I've got another buddy that sits in his tree tent, smokes a pack a day, and he still gets his tears. So who knows? <laughs> but he's up like 30, 40 feet up in the air, so maybe they can't smell him. It's probably not the first thing they catch. No, no. It, with the smell being up that high, but if you, they're sitting there long enough, they might. So depending which way the wind's coming, yeah. And they, you know, yeah. once a deer gets a whiff of you, he's they're gone, absolutely gone. So, like you said, it was a good point to say a lot of this stuff is great, especially if you are stuck in a predicament where you're lost or unable to um, get back to your vehicle or access. So, have you ever gotten lost in the bush? Oh, I can't say that I have. Nope. No, but I would think it'd be a very scary thing. I have a couple times actually, <laughs> but I I oh, had, had the training from so I knew what to do when I got lost. So the first time I got lost, I knew where the ranger's cabin was. <laughs> so, damn. So I went to the ranger's cabin and he 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 took me back to where I was supposed to be. I was fourteen. I was very upset, but we we went in. Um, we had search and rescue looking for us once. Because we were 18 hours overdue. Oh, man. So it does happen. I think what happens a lot of times, people, they tend to panic and they want to keep going. So, like, for example, when I said, I know that the, the, when I take my compass reading, I know the the road is west. But if it's, I got an hour of sunlight left and I don't have a flashlight on me, I'm not walking through the bush at night. You get lost. Your best thing is just stop where you are. Look for a suitable place to camp. The important thing is to stay warm and dry. Um, so a lot of the books that we were talking about, Processing Game and Shelters, I should have put one of the, the books in there. They also have um, guidelines for building various types of shelters. So if you've got, say, your, you've got your paracord with you because you brought your bag, you've got your emergency blanket, you've got a knife, maybe you have another sharp tool, you've got the tools to make a shelter. Okay? So what you want to do is you want to gather as much firewood as you possibly can before nightfall because, you know, it may be nice this time of day, but at night, the temperature's really going to drop. And this is one of those energy bars and snack food that Josh likes to snack away. This is when they come in handy. So if you only brought like a handful of snack bars, a whole bunch of, a little bit of water, you're going to have to ration what you have. Um, but you'll probably be okay. If you have a, har- a firearm with you because you're probably hunting, uh, you can harvest some amount, some food the next day. And if you're out there and you've got your 22 with you and you get lost, well, at least when the sun comes up, you can try to hunt something to harvest. Um, I know one of the... Is so that talk- something you would normally do if you're going out to bring a, bring a 22 with you? And- well, it depends what you're hunting. Like as, as part- yeah. It depends what you're hunting. Oh. So whatever gun you have with you, that's what you're going to have to use. Um, but, you know, it, there is a... What is it? It's called international disasters, international distress signal. So if you fire three rapid shots in concession, that's considered to be an international distress signal. Um, 
But if you only have five rounds in your uh, in your mag, I wouldn't suggest doing it uh, because that ammo could be be used for for food. Another thing I was going to suggest in in your bag, and I I skipped it for some reason, is some type of communication. Like you've got your phone, okay? Well, what if you're in an area with no cell area? Um, I always like to have a radio with me. I have a VMRS radio. It's going to only have a limited range. But it's nice to have some type of communication device uh, because um, if you're hunting alone, it's always important to let somebody know where you're going to and your ETA for returning. So you're going in, let somebody know when you're supposed to be coming out. This will give the search and rescuers a starting point and may allow for short-range radio communication if you brought a radio. You know, if, if you let them know where you are, odds are you're within maybe a 10-kilometer range. You might be able to get a signal, but... And the only other thing um, that I've encountered that I really disliked, a lot of times if you get a new hunter and they, they, they join the hunt camp, right? And it's all the old boys, so you're the young person there. And I find, and this is why I don't do the hunt camp thing anymore, because being a non-drinker, I don't like it. I, these guys, the first night, they get polluted. I mean, stupid polluted. So then the <laughs> next day, they're still legally impaired. So, you know, you, you harvest your bird or whatever, and you walk, you walk out to your car. You can still get nailed for being impaired. Guys go up in the tree stands, and they bring their, their booze bottles with them. So they're, yeah. they're, 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 they're impaired from the night before. They're bringing alcohol into the bush. Um, alcohol and firearms do not mix, regardless. If you're going to go hunting for the first time, okay, have a couple beers with the guys the night before. Make it an early night. Make sure you're, you're on your toes the next day just for your own safety. I agree with that. That's you know you think that'd be a common sense thing, but I mean, how many times does somebody think they got it under control when they don't? So, well, I think it's it's just a lot of times it's a social attitude. It's it's been like that for years. I know guys have been going up to the same camp their entire lives. Their dad went up to the same camp, and it's always been the same thing. You know, it's 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 a big party. It's a chance to get away, but you've got a very important task at hand. You want to be capable. And to be able to do it safely, so it's it's you know having a few the night before is fine. Don't get polluted and then pay for it the next morning because if you're not in your best, you're not going to have very much luck. Agreed. So good advice. Yeah, um, but that's that, that's about it. That, like, can you guys think of anything else? Um, no, I I wouldn't think so. Is it more common for hunters to go hunting alone than it is to go in a group? Um, I was just kind of about that. No, I find a lot of the times um, I prefer hunting with somebody. So I like walking a field with a dog. But I will go in one. See, last time I hunted deer with Terry, I would go into one area and he would go in the other area. So I wouldn't see him until we the priest we say, okay, we'll come out at a certain time. Yeah. So I don't see him at all. So. Fair. But yeah, yeah, bird hunting usually there's a couple of people. But you know, some people like the solitude. They like the hunting. They they, they want to do it alone. So it's it depends what you get out of it. It's just so. What, is there any kind of marking that you have to do to, especially when you're on like public area, to say I'm in here, or because I know that would be a safety risk, especially when you're not with a group of people. So not that I'm aware of, but there there could be rules at different wildlife management areas about mounted people being allowed in um yeah i was thinking maybe like a flag point 
to say, okay, like from this point on, you'll know that there's a hunter and there's nothing like that. Not that I'm aware of, but it's not a bad idea. And I'm sure some of the, some agencies or some areas might have something like that set up. I just haven't seen it, but it makes sense. Well, yeah, because I do know there seems to be a lot of communication, especially when it goes to <clears> private <throat> land, to say, okay, um, Jeff is letting Josh shoot on this day or go hunting on this day. Um, but, you know, tomorrow it's going to be somebody else just, you know, yeah. doing some scheduling and pre-prepping that way. That's not and a bad if, idea if they see if a private landowner has given uh, a couple of different people permission. I uh, say, look, if yeah. you're in there, please put up a flag so somebody else knows that you're in there. That's, yeah, that's yeah, not exactly. a bad idea. We had a big chat group going. The chat that. group was yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, so the chat group was a great idea. But then, like you said, there are some people who trespass. and right. Uh, if it would be nice to have some sort of marker to say, you know, somebody's in here, so, you know, be smart or walk away, right? So that's that's a problem these days is that because people are trespassing and they're destroying property, it's very difficult yeah. to get permission to hunt on someone's yeah. property. Um, I've got Agreed. a couple of friends that have property just north of here, and their trail cams are picking up trespassers all the time. Yeah. And not fun at all and not fair. No, not for... especially if somebody has, has invested a lot of time and energy and is setting up a plu uh, food plot and maintaining it. It's a lot of work. So they do a lot of pre-planning and, and to harvest that animal. And then somebody comes from the back end and starts harvesting off the property. Yeah, it's, it's not a good thing to do. Yeah, it's certainly not. But, well, I was just kind of curious about how how we notify others that somebody's in there. So, uh, But I guess the whole idea of scoping out the area beforehand, you kind of know what to look out for and if there's something different when you do go in. So are you going to do any hunting this season? I might. Um, i got to get my tag renewed. I'm thinking about going for, uh, for, for partridge. I'm not oh, sure if the dog's fun. ready yet. But I've got permission to hunt on Kathy's farm anytime I want, so I can just run out there if I want. That was another thing when I when I when I mentioned the regs and the wildlife management unit, it's really important. You should read the the Ontario hunting regulations cover to cover. It it's to your advantage. I'll tell you why Kathy's unit, where her house is, there's no Sunday hunting. If I cross the road, I can hunt on Sunday. Because she's yeah. yeah so if you're if you're in the boundary, it's it, it's grace. It's it's really important that you get the regs. And as I said, the hunting regs are just a guideline to the other laws. So as a hunter, it's it's an enormous responsibility to get a hunting license and a firearms license. There's a, a lot of knowledge that you have to have in order to abide by the law. Yeah, I agree with that. It's scary. Yeah, it's they take the guns off. They're taking the guns off us because we're the criminals, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, I know Josh was considering for his uh, next birthday to go pheasant hunting, but then also, are you thinking of doing turkey this fall or not? I don't know. I, I, if I get the opportunity, I think I'll do turkey again because I, I mean, I've still got the ammo. I've got the gun. I just maybe need some more camo and I'm good to go. So Tur turkey, you'll probably have luck with again. Pheasant. Are yeah. more or less wiped out in the province of Ontario. Um, there's well, many... this is on. I've always wanted to go on Pelee Island, okay. and they have a pheasant farm, and that's they have a they have a controlled hunt every year. So. That's what I was to suggest. There's a lot of uh, 
ones that have controlled hunts, there's actually uh, game farms where you can go in. Uh, Pine Ridge, I'm not sure if Mike's even opening it anymore, but you can get so many partridge, so many pheasant. It's going to cost you, but you know, if, yeah. you, if you want to go out and, and, and have a, a, a successful hunt and not have to drive a couple hours, and it, I, think, I think it was 50 bucks... It was fifty bucks for three birds, and then yeah, fifty or sixty bucks for three birds. That's and all you need cool. is a small games license. You do need a small games license to hunt, though. Mm-hmm. But the only place, because pheasant isn't native, it was introduced, so they've they've never reintroduced it. So the only place that they really exist these days is where there's game farms, the ones that escape. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's lots of pheasant up in Port in Port Perry. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be cool. I, I I still don't know if I have the stomach for it. I feel like I would want to go and watch. But then again, <clears throat> I have the gift of gap, so maybe I'm just not the person for it. I feel I like know. I wanna do I wanna do goose this year. Oh right, you didn't mention goose. Yeah. I don't know where, where I can go, but I gotta find a place where I can go. Yeah, for sure. I'm thinking about just putting out a mass email to the club and just say, Hey, does anybody want to take Josh goose hunting? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'll pay for the gas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, gentlemen, I think we can wrap this up to say, if you're going to go hunting out this year, we need to be prepared. You need to be smart. You need to scope out your site, your area, and, uh, you know, do your research. Would you say that sums it all up? Yep. Pretty much. Yeah. Very good. Well, I do see here that we have an event to advertise. Um, the one I uh, was gonna, I was gonna do. I think it's full, so why don't we just skip to Josh's? Oh, skip to Josh's. Oh, oh you had a okay. whole big description. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so the Milverton Rod and Gun Club is hosting our annual fish fry. So you can come and take a tour of our club if uh, you want to check it out and see what it's all about. So typically we serve grilled pickerel and tartar sauce and corn and fresh French fries. So um, what's nice with the whole COVID thing is you can still pre-order your food and have it for for takeout, yep. or you can we'll do curbside. Yeah, we'll do curbside. <laughs> or if you would like to come and eat at our outdoor facility, uh, we have a little pavilion there that is will be accommodating pending. Um, COVID numbers, of course. So. And I've been asked to take people out to do some archery too, if anybody's interested. Yeah, so. yeah. So we can definitely do that. So we're running that from 4:30 to 7:30 p.m. Uh, adult plates are $25, and children's are uh, 12. And if you are interested in pre-ordering, you can go ahead to the Melverton Rod and Gun site, look at our event, and uh, make your order there. And hoping to see some people out and. Uh, raise some funds for our wonderful club so we're also hosting our cross-country shoot i didn't put anything in on that one i thought i would do that on the next show but okay put it in right put it in now yeah well yeah okay so let's see here september 25th i believe we were starting at 9 a.m yeah and we are having our archery circuit as well as a rifle shoot ten dollars per round Ten dollars per round. Yep. I think there's going to be six targets. And I think we were having lunch as well. Yeah. Yeah. So for an additional fee. For an additional fee, of course. I but think it's just going to be hamburgers. Yes, I think it's hamburgers and fries. What date's that? Yeah. Uh, September 25th. Is it Saturday or Sunday? Saturday. 
Yeah, I'll be working. And uh, no, no license required. We'll have people with extra firearms and range safety officers if anybody wants to come and try it. So we can we can accommodate that as well. Yeah. So. Sounds like fun. I like pickerel. Yeah. It, yeah, fish. I'm excited. I've never actually made it out to the fish fry before. We'll see if I actually but. want any after driving three hours with them in the back of my car. But <laughs> they'll be frozen. They will Ooh, be frozen. that smell. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, so those are the two events in our area. Um, just taking a look here. Do you have? That's all I have. Is that all you have? Okay, then let me just pull this back up. And uh, so if you have any feedback, questions, or comments, you may have uh, send them off to host at newshootercanada.ca, our Facebook page, Instagram, or the comments section on our website at newshootercanada.ca. And don't forget to like us on Facebook and leave a comment and rating on iTunes if you have the ability to do that. Uh, so, gentlemen, any shout-outs this evening? I don't have any. I don't have any. No. It's just been. I've just been stuck in here all week. So just. There's nobody worth shouting out to because I've only been dealing with myself. (laughs) (laughs) Well, how about uh, shout out to those PSWs that have been given. I was just gonna say that the PS actually the nurses because Terry's injured. Nurses. Nurse comes in every other day, cleans her wound. Thank God because it's it was disgusting to do. It's, it's, it's looking better now, but she's still got a lot of scar tissue on there. And the PSWs, they are fantastic. Like, and, and these trying times, they have to go into people's homes and they put themselves at risk. So my shout out to the nurses and the PSWs. Oh, that's awesome. What about you there, Josh? Uh, no. No? No. Nada? No. Well, I'll give another shout out to Wanda for um, messaging me and messaging me again and going, did you buy your ticket? but she's super stoked to go and I'm very excited to actually meet Wanda in person and go and do this lady shoot you guys gonna carpool? I don't know because she's she's in London she's in London I'm here I guess that's kind of out of her way to come here yeah I I can't see that I think we'll be meeting up there but I'm excited to go for 1030 and uh, go have some fun and check it all out so while you're at it uh, talk her and you're going to Talk her into going for her second maple seed with you. She's got it. She, she she struggled. She didn't get her badge, so she has. She wants to go a second time too. She's got a really nice maple seed rifle. Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. So maybe I need to upgrade my rifle. So give her a little poke. Say, uh, maple seed, maple seed. Maple seed, definitely. Well, I think she would be uh, easy to convince. She was really excited when we went. So yeah, she was very much, and she. I think she wanted to even. Stop by for lunch if you were able to, but. Well, I want to do it again. I, I want to. I want to get that another shot at that patch. So I would. Yes. I'd be willing to do it again, but I, I, I might pick my time of. Well, I guess you can't really pick your time of year because whenever it's there, you got to jump on it. Well, exactly. But I think so. I'd like to do one in the fall. That would be nice. No, totally. <laughs> um, would definitely want to try that again, but I just yeah. feel so bombarded lately. Yeah. Next year, we'll uh, next, see. next year, yeah, I'll probably wait until next year for sure. It's just in the dead of summer. That's not. That's just kind of took the fun out of it a bit. So, <sighs> if, you, if you have the opportunity to get one in better weather, I would. <laughs> totally. So, well, and I, that's about it. I did mine in, in in below freezing, so I, I have 
no feelings for you on this one. I froze the whole time. Well, so. no, I think I'd, almost rather have, I think I'd almost rather have that. I'd rather, rather have snow or rain or something. Like that was, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but when your finger triggers is going numb and you're trying to hit that target, it's. <laughs> but you know, even as hot as it was, if it's that, if I do that again when it's that hot, I'm still going to wear long sleeves. For yeah. Sure. Or just because yeah. of bugs in the sun, yeah. Well, my yeah, my my elbows on the hot mat and people's brass and yeah. The brass was the worst. Yeah. The mat was really bad. Oh no, <laughs> no. Uh, as much as I can understand that being in the freezing cold for that long and trying to stay warm and you know keep exposing yourself to the weather that way, it definitely not be nice either. Yeah. I can see you being a grumpy bear coming home, too. I'm never grumpy. Well, until (laughs) next time, gentlemen, uh, go ahead and shoot like a girl. Keep your barrels downrange and smoking, and Josh does get grumpy when he hasn't been dead. Exactly. (laughs) Use your caliber wisely. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good night. You too. I really like 22 men. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you with any questions or feedback you may have, or if you just want to call shenanigans. You can contact us at host at newshootercanada.ca or through our Facebook page. The way they look, I like the shiny steel and the polished wood. I don't care if they're big or small. They're for sale till I want them all. I like guns. I like guns. I like guns.